Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Marjorie Punnett. I'm Elizabeth Reese. This is Best of the Nest, the podcast that's all about creating strong, comfortable, beautiful nests that prepare us to fly. Well, yesterday here in Kansas, it would have been easy to fly. Windy, right? 76 mile an hour winds, I think. I know. It was nuts. I went to Home Depot because I thought, oh, I can beat the storm. I knew it was going to hit about 3.30, Elizabeth, and I thought I could beat it. So I went to Home Depot because I had to pick up some paint, and I'm in the parking lot, and there are carts just... Flying. Flying around the parking lot. And I saw two hit two cars. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. And I thought, okay, I'm going to go home, get the paint later, and tuck my car safely into our garage. Oh, my gosh. It was nuts here. And before the storm, Elizabeth, it was about 70 degrees. Yeah. It was was crazy. It was like 55 here, which is unbelievable. 55 degrees in the middle of December in Minnesota is unreal. I always think, too, like because of the movie The Wizard of Oz, that has to seem particularly creepy in Kansas. (laughs) (laughs) You're just like, whoa, okay. What's happening? (laughs) What is happening? All the more reason that we have to search for things that make it feel like Christmas, especially if you grew up in a climate where it gets cold in December and it just hasn't been cold this December. So we were going to talk about the top three things that make us feel like Christmas time is here. Do you oh, want to go gosh, first? Yes, of course. We're all in the Christmas spirit. And when you're hearing this, you are probably going to be like wrapping presents or getting last minute gifts or even like getting a little moment to yourself as all of the holiday madness commences. So um, I think this is fun. Talk about a few like things and traditions that make it feel really festive. So I'm going to start with what we've been doing so much lately, which is hot cocoa, fires and movie nights. And it's just, I think to really like slow down and just up the cozy factor. I'll tell you, I have sort of declined every holiday party thing. Oh. <laughs> that I've been invited to. And I certainly appreciate the invite, but I just am feeling like I got to continue the slow down a little bit more. Right. And I, there have been several years when I have gotten some sort of little sickness or virus or something around the holidays. And I think right. it's because I push myself too far and work always gets really intense right in December as we try to like finish up everything for end of year. And I always yep. have like a lot of shoots, a lot of like things to fit in. And I know that my business is certainly not the only one that's like that. It just feels that like that kind of end of year panic. And so I've been sort of pushing things out till January as much as I can and going, you know, hey, we're going to get together. Let's do it after the new year. So That's that smart. it feels like, I think it'll feel like the holidays sort of continue and that I can slow my roll a little bit at home and enjoy some of the cozy nights. So we, my kiddos love hot cocoa. We have a wood-burning fireplace. Jay is like insistent that we will always have a wood-burning fireplace. <laughs> he does not want to convert it to gas despite my pleas. And then we've been watching Christmas movies. And I wanted to share one great thing that I that I got for Christmas last year from my sister and I have used nonstop and it's the Bodum 
frother. So it's the Bodum electric milk frother. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's kind of like on the more expensive, it's not like one of those little really inexpensive great frothers that you just stick in the milk. It's right. like an actual machine. So it's like the one I linked up is from Crate and Barrel and it's 60 bucks. But no, it's really it has nice. two settings. So you can push the button once and it like really froths a little bit of milk or cream. So if you're using that for like a latte, basically you're using that for coffee. Or if you push the button twice and you take out the little whisk attachment, it's very easy. It will actually run for a few minutes and it will warm milk and froth it a little bit. So it's awesome for cocoa for the kids. So they can like pour whatever, I mean, and you can use dairy milk, you can use almond, you know, use whatever you want, pour it in and then push the button twice. And then it warms the milk to like a really good, not so blazing hot that it's going to burn your mouth, but like really cozy and warm. And then I just like mix in a little cocoa mix that I, I mix up just sugar and cocoa powder in a jar. And then I always have it like right by the froth. Nice. And then just toss a couple of marshmallows in it. And that like makes everything so fun. I don't know. And it's just making cocoa night really enjoyable. <laughs> well, frothing makes a difference. I mean, as particular as that sounds, it makes a big difference. I had a, I always had a frother and I haven't used it in years. It's in my pantry. Oh, and gosh. It, yeah. this inspires me to pull it back out because yeah. it makes such a difference and you can actually make really good lattes oh, for with sure. it as well. So that's, that's a cocoa. great suggestion. Yeah, because you don't have to watch it on the stove and you're not like yep. microwaving it in a hot mug. No. And I don't have to obsess over like, is it too hot? Is it not hot enough? All this stuff. So I don't know. I know oh, it's it seems, perfect. It, maybe it's like I use it for my coffee and then I also use it for cocoa. So it's kind of like a morning night appliance, which to me right. feels like two times a day using an appliance is really worth the 60 bucks. Yeah, I agree. And I think I have an older version of that. Um, oh, good. Yeah. And I just, I need to pull that out. I really, I had forgotten that I kind of, I kind of forgot that I had it. Um, you deserve a fancy coffee at home, I Marjorie. deserve a fancy coffee. Everybody deserves a fancy coffee. That's the so truth. We're, so we're talking about the, the sort of the top three things that make it feel like Christmas for us. And this one's a little weird, but I'm going to share it. So we have some friends that we made when we were in, when we lived in Atlanta wonderful people. Our kids were all the same age. So we would sit on the sidelines at soccer games with them. Our kids went to the same school. And every year, I so admire people that still can do this. Every year we get a Christmas card from them. Yeah. It is not Christmas time for me until I get the Christmas card from the Websters. Sweet. And it's because they are, he's a financial planner. She's a nurse. I think they're both retired now. They are two of the most creative people I have ever met. And so the Christmas <laughs> cards. seem like super creative jobs. Which I think know? they put it all into the Christmas card. That's awesome. And every year it's a different theme. And so when the kids were growing up, I mean, they were wild cards. I mean, one year they were a rock band. Another year they were gangsters. Another year. And it always sort of plays off something that's happened in that year. Yeah. And they're just, I mean, every year I laugh so hard. It's such a big smile. And here's what I love about the Websters as well. I haven't sent out Christmas cards probably in 15 years. And I still get a Christmas card from them every year. They haven't like crossed me off the list. I hope, I hope this year isn't the first year that they crossed me off the list, but it's just so funny. And, and it reminds me that when I was little, when I think lots of people, I mean, all of my parents' friends sent photo cards. I mean, everybody did it. And my mom used to pile them up 
just in this dish. And they would always sort of be out. And so every Christmas she would pull out the cards from last year. She just saved them all. And oh, that's I remember, a cute idea. Oh, it was wonderful because I remember as a kid, I used to love sitting and going through the pictures of all of these people that I didn't really even know yeah. because these would have been like sorority sisters of my mom's, mm-hmm. you know, old friends of my father's. And so there was just something fun about creating the narrative myself of who all those people were. And so Christmas cards always, receiving Christmas cards always is a big deal to me that makes it feel like Christmas time. So, Oh, I think that's sweet. Yeah, it's wonderful. Okay, next one for you. Okay, strategic family gatherings. Okay, so this makes it feel like Christmas because we're talking about like setting up when we're going to this person's house or what we're doing. And I will tell you that one thing that I've learned that makes Christmas feel a lot more fun is to not cram all of the family gatherings into one yeah. or even two days. Yeah. And it really has been a game changer with kids. And I, I, you know, I kind of like, I preach the gospel of like, don't obsess over the day or the date on the calendar in order to dictate your family's celebration. And once we started really letting go of that in both my my family of origin and Jay's family, it was like things started to get so much more fun because there wasn't this like pressure of, oh my gosh, who's getting Christmas Eve? Who's getting Christmas Day? Right. How are we going to do, we're going to do two night, two late nights in a row with the kids. The kids are going to be exhausted. How are we going to fit all this stuff in? It's like three days in a row of of crushing sugar and staying up late and all the mayhem of all the presents and it all goes by in this big blur. And nobody's and so, at their best. No one's at their best. Circums- no, it's a living under nightmare, those circumstances, especially with kids. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's brutal. So we did this with Thanksgiving, and I've talked about this. You know how we space it out a couple of days. I talked yeah. about this on the podcast. And we do this as well with Christmas. And so what happened was when we were growing up, we always – had our big Christmas celebration on Christmas Eve. And both of my parents weren't from Minnesota and my dad was a minister. So we never went to anyone's house on Christmas. And it was always like, it was always very fun, but my dad was also very tired because on Christmas Eve, he would have to do like three services and then we would come home and have Christmas. And then I don't, he, sometimes I think they did a Christmas day service at our church, but I never had to go, which feels great. (laughs) Like the one I didn't have to go to, but what was what I think gets easier and more fun is if when you've got multiple families to visit, if you can spread it out. So, for example, we do Christmas. We've started doing Christmas with my family the weekend before Christmas. So, like, as you're listening to this, we will have already had our Christmas with my oh, family because great. it's coming up on Saturday the 18th. And my parents do – we did this last year. They do this big dinner it turns into this really fun event and it's like this big kickoff of Christmas where my mom was feeling like if we were going over to their house on like the evening of Christmas day, everybody was exhausted and tired because we'd already been with like the in-laws and everything. And she was like, I'm getting the worst of everything. This is brutal. (laughs) Why don't I like let go of this attachment to the day and create our own fun holiday tradition? So that's been like a real big game changer. And then we'll do Christmas Eve with, with Jay's family. And, and then we'll do Christmas day with just our little, just the five of us. And we'll probably, I don't know, a couple of years ago, we went to go see a movie in the afternoon. We won't do that this year because Heathcliff would be a living nightmare in a movie theater, but letting this go is... of that attachment to the day and spreading out the fun so that it doesn't feel like this rushed stress. I am telling you, it makes things better. 
This is huge, and I think people still are very much attached to those days. Mm -hmm. And your mom is exactly right. By the end of that, everybody's at their worst because they're just tired. They're just yeah. everybody's tired. Everybody's eaten too much. It's it's too much. Yeah. And I think your mom's brilliant to get you guys first. <laughs> she gets you guys first, but at the same time, what it does is it, and it's kind of what we're talking about today, it extends the season. Mm -hmm. It extends that whole feeling. And I, Christmas was never stressful for me, mostly because I didn't, once we had kids, we stopped traveling to see family. Yeah. It just didn't make sense. And all of my sisters and I all lived in different cities. And so none of our families got together. Once the kids came, I think we tried it two Christmases when, when the kids were all really little. And then we all just said, this is crazy. Yeah, this is too much. And yeah. It's too much traveling with babies and everything else. And so we just didn't even try. And what my mom would do is she would, she would just, she would go to a different sister's house every year. So I would mm -hmm. get my mom every fourth year, which I thought was very sweet of her. My mom was always the one willing to travel. But it's, you know, so for people whose families are spread out, oddly, it's not as stressful. It's for it's for the families who all of their family is right there, and you've got to pick and choose where you're going to go. And you're I think totally letting, right. letting go of the day, that's great. That's just well, a great idea. Well, here's the newsflash. We don't know for sure that Jesus Christ was born on December 25th. Okay. I don't want to get all historical and biblical on you, but I'm going to go that direction. Do you know for sure? Historians will agree that oh we don't God. know. And it was some, I'm sure, high up bishop who decided yeah. that December 25th yeah. was the day, according to some Christian calendar. I don't know. I'm right. not going to get into it. That no, being I said, wouldn't. Like you can celebrate Jesus's birth on yes. whatever day you want, because I don't think we for sure know no. when he was laid in the manger, folks. So take it and, easy. And here's a here's a big newsflash: you could celebrate if you're Christian the spirit of Jesus every day of the year, every single day. So and, one, and one would argue that as a Christian, you should do that. You're supposed to be doing that. So let's not get too <laughs> uptight about the 25th. Yeah. Um, so the next thing for me that always made me feel like it's Christmas time, and I think I will search for it this year because I think some of the churches where we live are going to have services, in-person services. But growing up, every year I would go to – I grew up Catholic. We would go to the Midnight Mass at St. Scholastica High School, which is where my mother went to high school. It's where all of my sisters and I went to high school. Aww. And the nuns, um, we were taught by the Benedictines. And so every Christmas on New Year's, I mean, on Christmas Eve, they would do the midnight mass in this very sweet, very intimate chapel with a beautiful choir. And then after the service, they would serve a breakfast. Oh, and my so gosh. Be, That's so, so fun, Marjorie. Oh, it was fantastic. So it'd be like one fifteen in the morning, and all of my sweet nuns who had made all of the goods that we were eating, so you know it was incredible, everybody would just celebrate then with a meal. And it was informal. I mean, it wasn't a sit-down. It was just sort of, a, you know, tab tables laid out with food. But it's such a strong memory. And to me, sitting... In that chapel, which was such a foundational place, not only for my mother, but for my whole family. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was going there even before I went to high school there. And it just, that to me, and it was Christmas Eve, so Christmas spirit should have hit me by then. But that, as a child, really was when 
I really felt sort of the specialness of the time. And the nuns, the choir was just so beautiful. And there's something about it, you know, sort of, like, how do I really explain it? Like when you're sitting at, at, in service and it's like 1230 at night and it's cold outside, there's something sort of otherworldly about it that heightens the experience. You know, the drowsiness of it all sort of heightens the experience. <laughs> so I just, I love that. And I actually feel like I want to do that this year. I haven't been to Midnight Mass in many, many years, but if, if there's one in your neighborhood or a community that has one, it can be a really special tradition. And I just I used to love idea. going. Yeah, yeah. It's wonderful. The thing about, you know, when it's Minnesota in winter, it's like four o'clock feels like midnight. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Dark. That's yep. a great, I like that though. I think that's yep. really sweet. Yeah. Okay. I've got one more thing. And this I saw on the gram, you know, the Instagram is filled with wisdom. Where did we go for wisdom before the gram? (laughs) That's what I want to know. Where did I go for inspirational quotes and like life hacks before Instagram? What a joy it is. I'm going to take, I got to, I got to tone down the gram consumption in the new year. That's going to be my thing. But I, because I'm finding myself in the mindless scroll, Marjorie. So we'll have to talk about that in the new year. Yeah, it's Um, been tough. So I do think that there is really something to, we've been talking a ton about gifts on Twin Cities Live and doing all of these holiday gift segments. And I've been sort of reminding myself that taking the pressure off of the actual presence when it comes to kids, because I've been thinking back to the things that I remember most when I was growing up have much more to do with traditions and how we felt versus the actual stuff, even though the actual stuff was very fun. And I'm not like minimizing the gifts, because of course we're going to get, our kids will have some really fun gifts. And I feel like that's really important. And then for families who maybe don't have enough for gifts, you can understand where that, that grief and that struggle and that stress is. That being said, I did see something on the Instagram that said, kids will remember how they feel, not the gifts that they get. And when I think back to my Christmases growing up, I think about the tradition. So I remember that we would get a Santa bear from Dayton's every year. You know, I've talked mm. about this before and I loved, I have so many memories associated with that because when Dayton's and anyone who grew up in Minnesota, you know, has such fond memories of Dayton's when Dayton's would come out with the Santa bear. Like I remember when we would go to the mall and see what the new one was. Right. And like one year it was a chef Santa bear. One year oh. it was like a you know, an artist Santa bear or whatever. I actually still have, I have the chef one that I just That's love. Funny. And, and so we knew that we were going to get that bear. And so we would like anticipate that. And like, it was the tradition of like going to Dayton's and seeing it all Christmassy and seeing the bear and then knowing that we were going to get it. So like there was more depth to it than just getting a new right. stuffed animal. Right. And then I remember when I was in fourth grade and we got two kittens for Christmas, which was like the greatest day of my life. And mm-hmm. I can remember every single thing about what the box looked like, what it felt like. I can hear their little meows as I went down the stairs. I mean, I remember everything about that Christmas. And then I also really remember when my sister was studying abroad in Italy, and this was when I was in my 20s, and my parents gifted my other sisters and I a trip to Italy to go and visit her. Oh, that's so so fun. And I remember my mom like putting together like a little travel guide and like a little note and a card of all this Mm. stuff that we were going to do. And that was our Christmas gift, which I think is just a reminder that is as much as you can kind of go like, oh, like back and forth on I'm going to get this thing. And should I have one more thing for them to open and all that stuff? Thinking about like the most meaningful gifts are totally 
steeped in tradition or experience or like in our case with the kittens, it was like adding to our family. That right. Those are the really wonderful things. I'm into experience gifts, particularly after Jay and I went to Willamette for his 40th birthday and it was like the best thing ever and it was the best gift. Now all I want to do is experience gifts. Yeah. And I Sorry, think Sorry, Jay. He's listening. He's here. Jay. <laughs> hey, Jay. You're, what do you think? What do you say? He says he'll get the checkbook. <laughs> 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 exactly right. Well, you know, from the other side of it, we were not a big gift-giving family. Right. And so, especially as the kids got older, and I've talked about this before on the podcast, that I never wanted anything from the kids other than something that they would make. And so, Campbell would usually usually write me a short story. One year, I think he wrote me a short story. They would do, they did music one year. They did, they would just, as they got older, I think Gar didn't put a lot of effort into one year. I got a haiku for Christmas. But all of it, the cool thing about that is, and really they, they did not give us gifts when, when they were little or now. And I would say that might be the downside of that tradition is now that they're both grown men. It's not, it is not a part of our, our family culture. Yeah. So I still, I, I always got them gifts as children. I was pretty, I think for the most part, I was pretty restrained, but they would get gifts from us and then they would get some handmade stuff from us too, because we felt like we would have to make something for them. But there always was something, there was always things under the tree for them. But I would say the older they got, the more there were fewer and fewer things under the tree. And I think that that's really important. And I think for young kids too, I think it's really important not to overdo it because they just won't, just from experience, they just won't care. Like they really won't. They'll rip through everything. They'll just be this big, huge pile. And then honestly, it just turns into clutter in your house. And I mean, I'm with you. Yeah. I can remember some really special things that I knew the kids really wanted and like when I really nailed it and got them just the right gift. And then there were the mistakes that I made where you sort of succumb to that, oh my God, I need more. Oh my God, it needs to be more. And those did not make for better Christmases. What made for the best Christmases were really well curated gifts, fewer of them. And then certainly I loved it when the kids actually did make something for us. And it's funny when I go through all of our stuff, those are the things that I treasure. I'll find there was a lot of coupon books. Like that was always a big thing. Like I would get a coupon book. I think Gar and Campbell did one together one year. And it was like one week of cleaning the kitchen without complaint. One week of, but it was cute because they would actually think about what is it that makes mom happy? And then that's what they would sort of do. And I think that was a good tradition. Like I said, though, and I I don't really mind it, but there is like the only time my kids will get me gifts now is if I somehow mention that I need something <laughs> and then and I don't even think about it or they'll like watch me like Gar got me AirPods. I never asked for them. That's he nice. Just, That's he a just, great gift. Yeah. He just saw that I didn't have them and thought that I should have them. Yeah. And so he got them for me. And so they're really heartfelt, but it does take away a little bit of that. That wasn't part of our family tradition and it's continued as adults. And it's, I'm fine with that because I don't really, I don't really want anything. So it's kind of nice. I think you have to figure out like what your family culture is and and you also have to understand though, like what's important. Because for some people, it's not that important if you all have that consensus. I do think the art of being a good gift giver is a, is a wonderful lesson for kids to learn growing up. 
I think you're exactly right. I think every family has to decide for themselves. But the one thing that I will say that I know is true, more isn't better at yes. Christmas. We, more yes. is not better. I so. totally, totally agree. Look at us agreeing. Isn't it a beautiful thing? <laughs> That's right. I love it so much. Okay, one more thing uh, in our list of things that make it feel like Christmas. What do you got, Marjorie? Okay, mine was a very strange tradition, which I very much wanted to start when the kids – and Ian and I moved to St. Paul, Minnesota. So we moved there. We didn't know anybody. And I was trying very much to get the kids to feel like this was their community. This was their home. This was their city. You know, I just wanted them to be completely invested in it all. And so Ian and I were doing the morning show at this point, And I decided that a great thing to do would to be a part of, because St. Paul is the state capital, is to be a part of the Christmas tree lighting at the governor's mansion. Yeah. It just seemed like that's what a community does. Like the governor comes out on the lawn with his wife and his family, and then everybody sort of stands outside the gate, and they light the tree, and everybody sort of sings. And I just thought it, I thought that was a thing. And so I wanted to make it a thing for my family. And uh, we did this, Elizabeth. We said on the air we were going to go. We were bringing the boys. And we showed up outside the gate of the governor's mansion and it was governor Palenti and his wife and their two girls. And then the punnets on the other side of the gate. <laughs> that's swear it. to God. That's, that's some good one-on-one -on -one time with governor Palenti, who is a real nice guy, by the way, super nice guy. So, you know, me, I made it a Christmas tradition that did not deter me that it was not a community event. So the next year <laughs> I talked about it on the air and told more people to join us. And we got a little bit of a group going outside of the fence <laughs> again, about 20 or 30 people, Governor Palenti, his wife and their two girls, <laughs> not to be deterred the third year. Not only did we go to the tree lighting, Elizabeth, but we got inside. We got ins invited inside of the governor's mansion with the wow. family for hot wow. cocoa. No so way! It only took three years of the punnets standing outside the gates for the Christmas tree lighting at the governor's mansion to actually get inside the mansion you know and have what? hot cocoa with the family. This is beautiful. But, and the lesson there, Marjorie, is is that if you want something to be a tradition, exactly. just force it to be a tradition. <laughs> and that's what I did. But it always and any Christmas tree lighting is always a big deal to me. I did force that tradition, and it is a very funny memory. I remember the boys talking about it. Like, we'll talk about it sometimes and laugh about it. And it was so awkward for them. I mean, here we are. And the governor's girls were the same age as my boys. So, you know, the girls are, like, trying to be, like, super sweet. And they were in the, like, hey, do you want to go downstairs and play some games? <laughs> just oh so bizarre. Gosh. It was just so bizarre. But what a sweet family. And they welcomed us into their home after three years, and we had a very nice time. <laughs> it is a, a nice, nice home. Time. It is kind of fun. I mean, you lived in St. Paul when you lived here, and I, I yeah. practically live in St. Paul. I live in Minneapolis, St. Paul, because I'm so close to St. Paul, but I'm in yeah. Minneapolis. But I, I do, like, I, I drive by the governor's mansion on the regular, like right. weekly, and it's just sort of a fun thing that you're just it's lovely. that close to it. It's and I would nice. encourage you, Elizabeth, to find out when the Christmas tree lighting is and to show up and continue the tradition for the punnets. All right. I'll see what I can do. That would be awesome. I want pictures of you and your family outside oh of the gosh. governor's mansion. Just standing there. I'll be Just like, standing there. Are. Awkwardly, like we did. Oh, man, that's very, very funny. Well, yeah. listen, happy holidays, everybody. And I hope that everyone is just kind of 
taking a breather, slowing it down, not feeling this pressure that everything has to be perfect. And I know I set a little boundary this year that I am going to be off social media for for sure like three days during Christmas because I found myself sort of seeing images of everything, of everybody's things that look so perfect and internalizing that a little bit too much. And so I'm not saying that everybody does that. If you look at social media and you feel really good about it on the holidays, I think that's great. But for me, I've started finding that like holidays aren't the best for me to look at social media because it's, I'm pretty good about not playing the comparison game most of the year. I found myself doing it on holidays. So just being kind of self-aware to figure out like, what are your little trigger points so that you can actually enjoy it and, and feel good about it and uh, not look back and feel like, oh, shoot, I wish that that was over. <laughs> Although I will say, Elizabeth, I'm very much enjoying your 12 days of cookies. Oh, yeah. That's the only reason to be on the gram. I'll tell you that right and now. And I look at them. I feel no inspiration to make them. It just makes me happy to look at them. It makes so me thank happy, you. too. I love looking at my camera roll and just seeing cookie after yeah. cookie after cookie. It's, very it's a good thing. It's a good thing. <laughs> if you are enjoying this podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a little review at Apple Podcasts. Well, we have a review today from A. Martinka. Ooh, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. She wrote, thank you for being human. Oh, yes, yes, we are very yeah, we're human. Happy to be that, yes. <laughs> In a world of social media mayhem, it's refreshing as a bomb, wife, and overall happy woman to find comfort in a podcast that talks about real-life moments, the good, the crazy, the tough. Thank you for being real, for being vulnerable, and for making me feel like a human. Keep on bringing the best to the best. Happy heart. I love oh, that. Happy I love heart. that. That's really sweet. And I'm not sure if she meant to say the best to the best, but I like that. I the know. best to the I best. I think she probably meant best to the nest, but we'll take all of it. I'll take all of it. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Best of the Nest. We are the podcast that brings you home. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.